0: Hey friends, I'm Mark Allen Chelsky, and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about learning how to live life with Jesus. This is episode three, When Jesus Changed Religion Forever. In the mornings, I take the kids to school. They can't be dropped off at school earlier than 7.45 a.m. School starts at 8 a.m. sharp. They go to two different schools that are about 12 minutes apart from each other with optimum traffic. So it's a little bit of a moonshot every morning. We have to leave at exactly the right time. We have to hit all the lights. We have alternative routes depending on traffic. Nothing else crazy can happen out in the universe. You know, no fire trucks, no road closures. If everything goes smoothly, everyone gets to school on time. One day this last week, we changed our normal route. We took uh, my son to school first uh, and got to my daughter's school at 7.58 a.m. I thought that was pretty good until we discovered that the front door was locked. That was confusing to me. I got out, went, checked the door. Yep, my daughter was operating the door correctly. It was locked. I buzzed the doorbell a couple of times and I was greeted by the very dour face of the front office person, I was told, in a tone that made clear that I was the problem that the doors are locked at 7.55 AM. I blinked a couple of times and I ventured to ask why since school starts at 8 AM. I was told in a tone that made clear I was the problem That there was no way children could get to their classrooms, make it to their desks, and be ready to learn by 8 a.m. if they arrived after 7.55. That's when the doors are closed. That's when the doors are locked. And that's the way it's been since the school was founded. Now, it doesn't say this on the website. It doesn't say this in the student handbook. Believe me, I checked the second I got home. In fact, the student handbook says specifically that students are tardy and have to check in at the office if they arrive on campus after the start of classes at 8 a.m. But the dower office person is the one who controls the front door. The dower office person is the one who manages the tardy records. Which means, regardless of what's in the manual, in order to not be late to school, you have to show up at the doors in a 10-minute window so that you can get past the dower office person before she locks everything down for the day. There are many places in life that operate like this, where in order to get what you need you have to show up at a certain special place, at a certain special time, and have all the right certain special things and proper forms hoping that the gatekeeper there is willing to work with you. This is why we hate calling. Comcast customer service. It's why we avoid going to the DMV if we can at all avoid it. It's why some of us do home remodeling projects without pulling the proper permits at the building department because the people there haven't proven to be helpful in the past. Uh, As much as petty bureaucracy and overpowered gatekeepers frustrate us, it's crazy. But this is how humanity has related to God for a long time. This is how uh, almost all ancient religion worked. Showing up at the right special sacred place, at the right special sacred time, with the right special sacred sacrifice, hoping that the right special sacred people would grant you access to God and what you needed. Now this system wasn't all bad. The chief benefit of this kind of religion is that the process for getting God's blessing is very clear. You know where your God could be found. You know exactly what steps you needed to take to gain access. You know who you needed to talk to. It's all very concrete. You know exactly what to do. But there are also limitations. I mean, what if you needed guidance from the divine at some other time than the special appointed time? What if you couldn't afford the sacrifice required? Or what if the sacrifice required was something? really significant like your firstborn child? If God could only be found at that certain sacred place, what if that certain sacred place was really far away and there was no possible way that you could get there? If this system is the only system you have, it means there's a whole lot of the world where God can't be found and a whole lot of people who can't get to where God is. One time, Jesus found himself in a conversation with this woman. We call her the Samaritan woman because she was from Samaria. Jesus needed a drink. That's how the conversation started. They chatted. Uh, Jesus got personal in the conversation. They began talking about her life, and, and things got a little too close for comfort, and the woman deflected Jesus by asking a theological question. That's always a great scam, right? That's a great way to deflect the conversation, because if we can get talking about metaphysics or theology or philosophy, we can talk about anything but what's really happening in here. All right, well, this woman, she was Samaritan. Jesus was Jewish, and there was a long-standing, generations, generations, generations long animosity between these two groups, hatred. Now, they shared some common spiritual traditions. They both used the Torah as their scripture, but they disagreed about quite a lot of interpretation. And one of the points of disagreement was where to worship. So the Samaritans, they had their own temple that they would built on Mount Gerizim. The Jews, of course, they had their temple on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And so this woman, she asked Jesus this question. She says, which is the right temple? Well, that's basically saying, where can we find God? What is the right way? Uh, to come to God? How do we get access to God? Do we do it this way? Do we do it this way? Jesus' answer, I think, was unexpected. Jesus' answer wasn't even on the same playing field that this woman was thinking about. His answer was not a part of this binary argument that the Jews and Samaritans had been having for generations, and Jesus' answer changed the course of human religion. This is what he said. This is in John chapter 4, uh, verses 21 to 24. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So this woman, she asked Jesus, which temple? Where is the special sacred place where we can find God? Which one is it? And Jesus' answer is, Neither. You think you have the right place to worship. We think we have the right place to worship. And guess what? It's not your temple or our temple because God is not locked up in a temple. Jesus said, God is spirit. That means God isn't bound to a specific place or a specific time. It means God is everywhere. The whole cosmos is God's temple. And that means you can find God right now wherever you are, whatever you are doing. There was this time when the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to address the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers in ancient Athens. There on Mars Hill, there's this great public square where these public debates were held. The philosopher sat around, someone would get up and make a case, they would listen, they would debate. And Paul had the opportunity to stand up and tell these philosophers what he believed. And he told them something that sounds very much like what Jesus told the Samaritan woman. Are you looking for God? This is what you need to know. Acts 17, 18, Paul's words, in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. This present moment is God's address. Right now, right here, this is where God can be found. Now. And again now. And again, now, this one present moment is the place where your life and God's existence intersect. It is the place where you can find God. Now, that may sound like vague philosophy or metaphysics or wordplay, but this realization, it has the capacity to profoundly change your life. If God lives in the now, this one present moment, then there is no special place you need to go to find God. God is where you are. If God lives in the now, this one present moment, there is no time when you are alone. God is with you. There are no special sacred moments because all the moments are sacred moments. If God lives in the now, then every moment matters. And within each moment, every word and action and choice matters because everything you do is done in the presence of God. If God lives in the now, This is really important. If you grew up in a a very conservative or fundamentalist Christian home where you sensed a lot of judgment and you were given this picture of God who's always looking at whether you're doing the right thing or not, if you had that picture, this is important. See, if God lives in the now, there is no scale, no geographical scale of moving closer to God or moving farther away from God. You are as close to God as you can be right now. You might not perceive it. You might feel distant from God. You might not feel that you're close to God in the moment. But that feeling you have is not about what's real. That's about your own limited perception. You are right now in Christ. And that means... You are as close to the Father as you can possibly be in this life. Nothing you try, nothing you do, no good religious thing will make God closer, and nothing you can do, no sin, no bad behavior, will push God farther away. The feeling of distance that we have from God, I have it at times, you have it too, that feeling of distance is an illusion of our own perception. It's our own brokenness at work. It's our own sin in the way. It has nothing to do with how holy you are or how often you read your Bible or whether or not God approves of you. The only work there is to do is growing our trust that this is so. Learning to trust that we are with God now, that we are in Christ, even if we can't see it or feel it. We're not separate, we're with. And that means we can remain, we can abide in this reality. When Jesus told his disciples and through them us in the upper room in John 15, that our work as his followers is to remain or to abide, to stay connected to the vine, this is what I believe Jesus was talking about. Every moment that we we live, we are choosing whether to abide or remain in the reality that God is here now. Or we're choosing to live uh, from a different frame of reference. We're choosing to live as if we're alienated. We're choosing to live as if we're far away. We're choosing to live as if we're not beloved. Every moment that we are living, we are choosing whether to live as if we are in partnership with God or not. Choosing to live as if we're alone or as if we're forgotten, or as if our words and our actions don't matter, or as if we're the only thing that matters, that means that our life of faith is not about trying harder to be a more religious person. Our life of faith is not about trying to climb a ladder a spiritual performance, becoming better and better and more moral. Our life of faith is simply about awareness, remaining, abiding. God is here now. This is God's address. God is in this moment with us. We are, according to Jesus, we are in Christ. That means our life of faith is simply about awareness. God is here now. That's God's address. This one present moment that we are in, that is where we intersect with God. We are in Christ. That's the whole story of John 14, 15, 16, 17. We, right now in this moment, are an extension of God's work in the world. Right now, right now, there is no special place we have to go. There is no special routine we have to go through. There is no gatekeeper, who stands between us and God. Our work of faith is remembering that this is so, and staying as best we can, present and aware of this reality. Uh, Greg Boyd wrote, to forget that God is present in any given moment is to forget the most important aspect of that moment. If God lives in this one present moment, then every moment is on fire with the presence of the divine. That feeling that you are alone is a lie. That belief that you've been abandoned is a lie. That fear that you are unloved or unlovable is a lie. That story that you are unseen is a lie. Every conversation, every face we look into, every conflict we have to work through, every moment of of working in the garden, every trip to the grocery store, every interaction with our kids, every quiet moment with a book or the TV or walking the dog, every moment we are in the temple of God's presence with the possibility of running into God at any time. May you experience this shift of perspective. God is present in this very moment. You are not alone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, there are two easy ways to do that. First, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and in every other podcast app out there. Second, you can subscribe to my email list. It goes out about twice a month with new blog posts and links to other things from me a lot like this. If you'd like to talk with me about this episode, or uh, or talk with other people on a similar journey, or if you'd like to find encouragement for this kind of spiritual life, consider joining the Apprenticeship Lab member community. It's just $8 a month, and there you'll find a, a positive, private community of people on this journey. I'm there, we can talk about this episode and other things. You'll get an encouraging daily video, monthly live spiritual Q and A, access to some online courses for spiritual growth, and some other great things designed to help you learn to live life with Jesus. And if you just want to support what I'm doing, which allows me to make more material like this, joining the Apprenticeship Lab member community with that monthly sponsorship is a great way to do that. I'd also be grateful if you take a moment to rate or review this podcast on iTunes, since that's one of the best ways to help other people discover it. If you're interested in any of that, you'll find the show notes for today's episode, including all the scriptures from the presentation and the links I just mentioned, at wwwmarkallenshelskycom forward slash TAW003. Until next time, remember, in this one present moment, you are loved, you are known, you are not alone.